We are in our last message in our series, starting over, so open your Bibles to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, specifically verse 31 through 33. We've been preaching on starting over, and this morning we're going to talk about praying. Starting over this new year, we talked about really intimately getting close to the Lord, giving it everything we had to get close to the Lord. Now we're going to talk about praying, a prayer that literally rocks our world, all right? Praying that rocks our family, it rocks our um, church, it rocks our neighborhood, and it rocks our city. And the, the longer that I'm saved and the more I'm preaching and the more I'm in the Word of God, the more I'm convinced that the book of Acts in the very beginning had it right. And so we're going to look at some of the principles on prayer, specifically right here, and how they prayed to the Lord when they got in trouble. All right, so let's read verses 31, 32, and 33. All right, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness, and all the believers were united in heart and in mind, and they felt that they owed What they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. Verse 33, the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and God's great blessing was upon them all. So we're going to look at basically prayer that had a discerning perspective, prayer that had a divine purpose, and prayer that resulted in dynamic power. And so we want to pick up the story in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, Peter and and John are walking to the temple. And as they walk into the temple, there's this this guy there that was lame, and he was begging for alms. He was begging for money. And so as Peter and James, James walked into the temple, he reached up and said, alms. And, of course, Peter says, silver and gold, I don't have any money. But what I do have, I'll give to you. And so he reached down and he grabbed the guy by the hand, raised him up. And as he raised him up, he was healed. And as he was healed, he began to jump, leap for excitement. And the Bible says that he began singing and dancing and praising God throughout the temple. And as he was doing it, all these people began noticing. If, you, if somebody here would jump up and start dancing and shouting and praising God, we might notice that. Amen? Amen. Well, that's what happened in the temple here. Okay, there were some some amazing things going on. And so all these people started gathering around. So Peter thought, ha, it's an opportunity. So he began to preach. 5,000 men trusted Christ. And that's not including the women and children. So probably anywhere from 10 to 15,000 people got saved. Of course, the religious people of the day, the Pharisees and scribes, of course, were angry. Right? Religious people getting angry. That's normal. So they got angry at the non-religious people and the non-trained people and grabbed, listen, they grabbed Peter and John and threw them in prison. And the next day they brought them forth and said, don't talk about Jesus anymore. Not, I don't want you to talk about his resurrection anymore. And they threatened them. And then Peter, of course, he said, well, what else can we talk about? I can only talk about what we have seen and what we have heard. And so they threatened him again and then released him. Now, this is where chapter 4 comes in because Peter and John go straight to the church where the believers are. And when they revealed the story 
of their lives being threatened. Look at verse 24. It says, When they heard the report, all the believers lifted up their voices together in prayer to God. Okay, so, so they come and they, they share the report, and the first thing the church did was pray. That's good, amen? amen. So the New Testament church in the book of Acts was a praying church. And so, and we're going to dive into this, but if we want to be a church that rocks our family, if we want to be a church, we got to be a praying church. If we want to be a, if we want a man or a woman that, that rocks our family, that rocks our neighborhood, that rocks our world, rocks our city, if we, if we want to be that, we need to be praying people. But not just praying people. Notice the difference here in the text. It said, all the believers, look, look at this, all the believers lifted up their voices. It didn't say, as the preacher prayed, everybody bowed their heads and closed their eyes while the preacher prayed and some fell asleep. Isn't that what happens? The preacher will pray and everybody just bows their head, you know, and you're thinking about all kinds of things. Praise God, there's no football today. There were probably some golfing somewhere. All right, so look, look, it says, all the believers lifted their, notice it says, voices. Every one of the church began to pray. I think that's the proper kind of prayer to do, amen? That everybody's praying together to God, not just a couple, but everybody praying together. That, that was free, amen? Let's go on. So the New Testament church of prayer. Now, now notice several things here as we jump into this, that the place that they were meeting was shook. Okay, the presence of God showed up. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. One heart and one soul. And there was great power that fell upon the apostles as they testified of the resurrection. And the favor of God was upon all of them. That's the results. And we're going to dive into that at the end of the message. But let's get into to three things this morning. Three main thoughts. All right, number one, the perspective of this prayer. I want you to notice their perspective. They, their perspective was, God is the creator, he's sovereign, and I'm not. Very simple. He's the creator, he's sovereign, and I'm his servants. That's the idea. So as they prayed, they first talked of him and spoke to him as the creator. Now, Verse 24 says that. Why did they approach him? Well, think about what they were involved in. The Sanhedrin had 70 men who were powerful men. And these powerful men had just threatened them. It doesn't tell us what kind of threatening. It doesn't tell us anything. But more than likely, they threatened with death. Because this is a powerful group. And they're the ones that engineered the death and the crucifixion of our Lord. So they're powerful men. So as they're praying, they're addressing... The Father as the Creator. So basically, they're saying, Lord, we know these, these the Sanhedrin, these, these men down here, they're only your creation. See the thought? You're the Creator, and they're the creation. So we're not going to worry about them, because guess what? You are the Creator. Think about it. He created the worlds. It's, it's specifically, as it says, heaven, earth, and the sea and everything in them. 
So as they're praying to the Father, this is how they're addressing it. And I I looked at Isaiah 40, verse 12. And it says, he holds the mountains, or he weighs the mountains in a scale. and, And the hills in a balance. So he knows how much the mountains weigh. And he knows how much the hills weigh. That's, of course, out in western Nebraska. If you've never been there, you're just driving along and boop, that's a hill, all right? So God knows how much they weigh. And then it goes on and says, he holds the seven seas in the palm of his hand. The scripture goes on and says, he rides the, the wind of the storm. He's the God that divided the Red Sea for Moses and the Israelites to walk over. He's the God that brought down the walls of Jericho. He's the God that delivered Goliath into the hands of David. He's the God that delivered the three Hebrew children out of the midst of the fire, and they didn't smell like smoke. He is the God that put on flesh and bones in the person of Jesus Christ. And he's the one that commanded the seas and the waves to stop, and they obeyed. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. He is the one that will execute judgment at the end of time. He is the God of might and majesty, power and glory. And besides him, there is no other. Can I hear an amen? That is our God to whom we pray. And that's the God that they prayed to. And as they prayed to him, it gave them comfort. They didn't worry because they didn't gaze at the invisible. They gazed at the visible. Not their opposition, their God. If we would do that, we would find ourselves looking at our troubles a little bit different. Can I hear an amen? Amen. A little bit different. So he's the creator. Then they looked at him. They continued to pray to him that he's the sovereign. They said, oh, sovereign Lord. Our God didn't wind up the universe and just throw it out there and just let it spin. He's literally involved in calling the shots of the affairs of men. Now think about this. Here they are. And they lift up their voice in prayer to God. And it's amazing what they're praying. Now follow this. They're praying Psalms chapter 2. They're praying Psalms chapter 2. And they're saying the heathens rage, the kings rise up, and everybody's rising up. And and they're all together putting Jesus Christ to death. This is Psalms chapter 2. And they're over here in Acts. And they remember that. And they're praying this to God. Okay, follow. And so they're literally saying, God, your, your prophecy is being fulfilled in our very eyes. Everybody see that? And then they go on and, and, and they say, Lord, you said you were going to die. And guess what happened? You died. You said you, you promised you were going to raise from dead. He did. You promised that you would give us the Holy Spirit, and we have it. You promised that you were going to start a church, and the church has started. And here we are seeing it all right now. So as they're praying to this sovereign God, they see all of this. And guess what? They had great peace in the midst of some darkness. Because they're thinking back to how they killed Jesus. And they have great peace. And they're asking for something that they could keep on preaching. They're asking for boldness. So here they're gathered in this midst, in the midst of this clear in present danger, and they have boldness in the time of their storm. Now, Corey Tin Boone suffered through Hitler's concentration camps, as we know. 
she lost several loved ones in that concentration camp. Now, if that would have been us, in our generation, we'd have fall, fell down and say, why, oh God, are you punishing me? Can I hear an amen? <laughs> She's in the concentration camps. She's suffering tremendously. And listen to a phrase that I took up from her. It said, there is no panic in heaven, only plans. So here she is in the concentration camp. She's not in Springfield, Missouri, <laughs> where today we're having great weather outside. Do you love that weather? Yes. All right. But we have better weather in here. Can I hear an amen? Yes. All right. That was weak. <laughs> I gave you an opportunity. All right. So, so here she is in the midst of all of this. Her family's dying. And here she looked at God has a plan. And I'm in his plan. That's what she said. She says, there's no panic in heaven, only plans. She looked at her being in the concentration camps as the plan of God. And she shining bright as his testimony in this concentration camp. If we would look at our lives that way, it would change our perspective. That we're right in the midst of his plan. Listen to what Pastor Adrian Rogers once said, used to say all the time. He said, the Holy Trinity never meets in emergency sessions. <laughs> the Holy Trinity never meets in emergency session. And he goes on. He says, when he reads the book of Revelation, John said this. It, gives, it gave, it gave uh, Adrian Rogers peace. When in, in chapter 4 and chapter 5 of Revelation... When John is introduced to the, to the God of this world, it says, he said, our God is seated on his throne. And then he goes on to say, nothing is out of his control. Our God has everything well in hand. That's his perspective. And that should be our perspective. Listen, if we had this perspective in how we handle our problems, it would change everything. We would begin to glance at our problems and gaze at our great God. Perspective of God. He's the creator and he's sovereign. <laughs> and then they look at themselves. And they said, Lord, grant to us your servants. The word servant means bond slave. So they literally looked at themselves in verse 29 as God, 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 we're your slaves and they just threatened us and we're here, we're just surrendering to you, bringing ourselves to you, reporting for duty. <laughs> now, if I was just threatened or you were just threatened, how would we respond? We definitely wouldn't say, okay, I want to jump back into the midst of this. We would probably run. The point is, that they looked at themselves as completely slaves. Now, in the midst of this slave, I mean, we got, we got to understand, we're not his co-pilot. He's not our co-pilot. He should be the pilot. We're not just co-laborers together. Even though all of these phrases are right, we should be 
his servants, his slave. It should be his plan. What we do is we have our plans, we have our dreams, we have our hopes. And then when those hopes and dreams and plans go south, that's when we get upset. When we're just slaves and we're surrendered to him and he gives us his peace, he gives us his joy in the midst of all of these problems. Because, listen, when you're a slave and God just dumps all of his joy so much you can't handle it, and his peace you can't handle it, even though out here there's no peace necessarily, there's peace inside here. That only he can give when you surrender to him. When you're running around, my will, my will, my plans, my plans, my plans. You're constantly in turmoil. Constant turmoil. Why? Because you're trying to do your plans and your dreams and your goals. Rather than just submitting to him. So that's what they did here in the book of that. They totally surrendered to him. Just exactly what saw our Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7 talk about. We don't have time to go into it. But the point is, if we want to have a prayer life that rocks our family, rocks our neighborhood, we have to really approach him as he is. He's creator, and he's sovereign, and I'm just his slave, bringing about his plan and his purpose here in this world. Secondly, so we have we got to have the pers- perception of perspective of this prayer, and then number two, the purpose of this prayer. Okay, verse twenty nine thirty. Let's read that. And now, O Lord, hear their threats, and give us your servant great boldness to preach your word, and stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through, your, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. All right, so great power, our purpose. We talked about perspective, and now let's talk about purpose. What was their purpose? Their desire was simply to speak his word. That's what it was. He, they wanted to speak his word. Now, 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 exactly remind me what they got in trouble for. They got in trouble for sharing the resurrection of Jesus Christ, preaching the resurrection. And now what are they asking for? They're asking for more boldness. They're asking for more courage. They're asking for more bravery so that we can step right back in there and do exactly what we got in trouble for. Now, in our minds, that doesn't make any sense because we're thinking, okay, Lord, would you please show up and get me out of trouble? I got myself in trouble. I need you to get me out of trouble. Well, here I'm in this trouble. Lord, would you deliver? Would you deliver? Do, how many, how many prayers? Deliver, deliver, deliver. That's, that's kind of our help, help. And here they're saying, Lord, give me boldness so I can get in more trouble. See, this is what we think. We, th- we think, God, you're always there to deliver me out of trouble. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Listen very carefully. Sometimes he's not here to get you out of trouble. He's here to get you in trouble. Let's think about the context. Think about the context. Okay? So they're in trouble for sharing the Lord. They're in trouble for preaching Jesus. Preaching what will literally transform lives, will save people literally from hell, literally deliver them. So they're out there passionately loving people, you know, doing this. I mean, and they could have said, Lord, instead of giving us boldness, can you take out the Sanhedrin? Can you please take out those 70 guys that sit there? Can you just eat them up with worms? How many of you have ever 
No, don't raise your hand. You have a boss or somebody, oh, Lord, just, ugh, you know, or a brother or a sister or in-laws, you know, you just, you know. They didn't pray that. They, Lord, get us in the midst of that and give us boldness, even if it cost us our lives. That's what I want you to see here. They, all they wanted was to be able to share the truth because the word of God, there's no way that people will get saved, but their lives are going to change without the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. That's what it's all about. And so, and just if, if the feet are pretty, how, how well do you think God looks at the whole body? How many have beautiful feet? Two people. Wow. I'm not sure I believe them. So after church, you come up here. Never mind. I'm just going to ask your spouses. Okay. Feet are normally ugly. Okay. Excuse me. Normally ugly. So, but God says they're beautiful. So just what's he think of the whole body of the person that's preaching the gospel? The point is God didn't, God didn't come to give us peace. He came to bring a sword. Again, the context is relationships because relationships matter to the Lord and they, those around us need to hear about Jesus. Not just the gospel. Some believers are just miserable. They need to hear about Jesus' peace inside, Jesus' joy, and the path to get it, the principles to live by so they can have the abundant life that Jesus promises. It's here in the Word. But you have to follow His promises. Blessings only come by obedience. That's it. And so we, God wants us here specifically to share these wonderful principles. All right, so the purpose, number one, was speak the word. Number two, stretch out God's hand. Okay, so stretch out. Verse 30, they prayed, God, now would you stretch out your hand and perform mighty miracles and signs amongst all the people? Okay, God, just do something so miraculous that only you could get the credit. Just something. That was their prayer. It's interesting. They prayed, God, stretch out your hand. And then Acts 5.12, it specifically states, now listen to this. It says in the King James, it says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders brought amongst the people. But here they said, Lord, stretch out your hand. So it's interesting that they're praying, Lord, we know you're in heaven, but help us to be your lips. Help us to be your mouth. And now they're praying, Lord, help us to be your hands. Okay, they're praying specifically, Lord, do something through us that it can't be explained that only you are the explanation. We want to be your hands. We want to be your heart. We want to be your feet. We want to be your lips. But we want you to do some amazing things. You see, God, listen, he wants to display his deity as he inhabits your humanity. The question is, are you available? I'm telling you, this prayer will rock your world as you begin to pray constantly over and over and over. God, I want to be your slave. I want to be your slave. I surrender to you. As you begin to pray that, then all of a sudden, that flesh that grips you so tightly. Our flesh is corrupt. 
and it's got a hold on us. As we begin to pray that, you'll feel that released, and the Holy Spirit will begin to take over, and you'll be doing, you'll be acting and saying and talking like Him. You'll be mimicking Him rather than you running off, controlling everything. So stretch out your hand. We've been praying it for five years. God, do something so miraculous that no one but you can get the credit in Springfield, Missouri. And we see things like that happening all around, not just here, but in all around the city. God is doing some amazing things. Number three, as we think about the purpose, synchronize with God's will. Verse 30, he specifically said, in the name of your holy child, Jesus, and your holy servant, Jesus. Okay, so he's, they're praying in Jesus' name, so to speak. Why do we pray in Jesus' name? Do we just attach that at the end of the prayer? Normally we do. Just attach it, and hopefully that's going to bring all of our requests to, to, to surface, to, 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 to being in Jesus' name. Okay, so, so, so God, if I attach this to my desires, I'm going to get it because I've just prayed in Jesus' name. Well, what that means, when you pray in Jesus' name, what you're actually doing is you're, you're doing what Jesus wants us to do. You're going to the throne of God boldly with your request. He has given us authority to go directly to the Father. We don't have to go through preachers, priests. We don't have to go through anything. We can go directly to the Father because Jesus has opened it wide up for us. We can approach the Father with the authority that Jesus got. Come boldly unto the throne of grace that you may obtain help and grace that you need in the time that you need it. But not only is it, is it going because he's given us that authority, but he's also, when we go and say in Jesus' name, we're also saying, Father, I'm praying this because I know that this is exactly what Jesus would be praying if he was here. And that's, that's, they're actually praying Jesus' words. That's exactly what they're doing here. They're going back to Psalms chapter 2, and they're rehearsing this in the Father's ears, and they're just literally saying all of this, and it all came to pass. It came to, it came to pass. They're, they're literally praying in the will of the Father. 1 John chapter 5, verse 18, or verse 15. If we pray anything in His name, according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we also know that we have the petitions that we desire. Listen up. If we pray here, this kind of prayer, it will rock your family. It will rock your world. It will rock your family world. And it will rock, guess what? This neighborhood. Those flyers are going out right now. This is the kind of prayer we need to be praying for this neighborhood. Not just our families. Although we want God to rock our families. Amen. We also want God to rock our home, our business. But God brought us here. This is not our doing. This building's a, this building's a tool. God brought us here to reach this neighborhood. And it's only going to happen if we take this serious and do exactly what the Father wants us to do. And what the book of Acts... I mean... In the book of Acts, you know what they said about the apostles? They're turning the world upside down. Number three, the power of this prayer. Now, when I say the power of this prayer, what I'm really talking about is the power of God's answers to this prayer. 
Okay? The first thing we see is that they were filled with the Spirit. Okay, now, now, now follow the thinking. God, we want boldness so that we can speak your word. Father, we want, we want your hands to perform miracles and do some wonders that only, you know, it could be explained that it was you. There's no humanly possible this could, this could happen. And then notice the results. God filled them with his spirit. He filled them with his spirit. So it just tells us, hey, we can't live today on yesterday's blessings. Think about this. Peter was filled with the Spirit when he preached on the day of Pentecost. And then every time from that point on he preached, he was filled and he was filled and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Every single time. We need the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit, in order to accomplish the purpose and the plan of God in our lives. We can't do it on our own. So they were filled in order to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we don't want to hear what happened last you know, last year or yesterday. We want to hear fresh. I was on the phone 4, 30, or 4 o'clock this morning. And remember we had, we had our, uh, we had our uh, Christmas Eve service here, right? So I'm talking to this guy on the phone. And he tells me that on Christmas Eve, he received Jesus Christ as his Savior. And he was excited and crying at the same time because there's this tragedy in his family. But now he said he's prepared. God is in him and preparing for this, this, this family emergency. The Spirit of God was here that night. And he did some amazing things, not us. We're just his slaves. Lord, here we are. And as you can tell, we're just normal folk around here. Okay, amen? Amen? Just normal people. You notice I don't have all these flowery words that you don't understand. You understand everything I say, right? I hear an amen? And sometimes I say some things that you really understand I shouldn't say. Number two, (laughs) the unity. All right? First of all, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they were unified. Now, Psalms chapter... 133.1 says this, how good and perfect is it when brothers dwell together in unity? So they prayed for boldness. They prayed for miraculous miracles. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they were unified. Well, I don't know about you, but unity is a miracle. (laughs) It's a miracle because Christians can be the meanest people in the world. Can I hear an amen? Or can I hear an oh me? Oh me. There was unity. And the Bible says that where there's unity, the world identifies them as his children. So when people come to the church and we're not unified and we're just kind of, you know, you, all you guys don't, you guys are all like this. Okay, so when they see this, and we see, they see us hugging, and ru- I saw somebody today running to the door to give somebody a hug. I was wondering if they were going to run out, but they didn't. <laughs> Amen? Okay? When people see us loving on each other and being glad to see each other, it tells them, guess what? <laughs> this 
is a place of God. It's a place where God's at. And that's what we want. So we have to be praying these kind of prayers so that what? Just like them. So God shows up, gets that out of the way. He shows up and he accomplishes his purpose. That's what it's all about. Him using us to touch people's lives. There's got to be that. We don't have to agree on everything. I'm close. My sons don't even agree with me. They didn't agree the way I spanked them raising them. But it really didn't matter back then, amen? I'm kidding. Back then, you know, well, the Bible says it anyway. I'm not going to get in there. Okay. Let's go on to another subject. All right. But spanking is in the Bible, children. It's there. All right. Unified. Vital. Number three, they were emboldened. Okay, I'm just talking about the results of this prayer. They prayed for boldness, and God showed up, and he filled them with the Holy Spirit, and they were bold. The Holy Spirit, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, gave them boldness for what purpose? So that they could feel good about themselves? No. So they could literally witness about the resurrection, witness of Christ. So, so the power came upon them for the purpose. They were emboldened for the purpose of sharing Jesus Christ, sharing the truth. That's why the Holy Spirit comes. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. What's the purpose of surrender, and what's the purpose of us being filled is that we can impact those that don't know the Lord. So vital to understand that. So vital to understand we're his slaves so he can bring us joy, bring us peace, but so we can love the world and we can love each other. And it's not going to happen without the right kind of praying. Your world's not going to be rocked, okay? You're not going to be excited about coming to church. You're not going to be excited about opening your Bible. You're not going to be excited about praying. You're just going to, you're just going to be keep, continually go through the, the motions of this stupid Christian religious life, dragging yourself to church, dragging yourself to your Bible study, dragging yourself. But when, when you're praying like this, oh, God of creation, and you're identifying who he is, and you're just a creation of the creator, and your problems are just a creation of his, of, of his creation. He's the creator. Your problems are his creation. And you understand that they're nothing compared to him. And that he's sovereign. That he's involved in every detail of your life. And that you're a servant. You're a slave. To do the things that you're supposed to do in those given situations. It changes everything. Then you can have boldness in the time that you should be in despair. You can have joy and you can have peace. You can have purpose. Most Christians are running around purposeless because I don't understand that the problems that we're going through have a divine purpose rather than screaming and hollering and just throwing a fit. I'm here in the concentration camps of Missouri. <laughs> Amen. The concentration camps in Missouri for one thing, a beaming light for his glory. 
Not for Fleener's glory, not for your glory, but for his. And that's the only way we're going to rock our family, rock our lives, and rock our neighborhood. That's it. Is if we take after the book of Acts and this small portion, I mean, their lives are on the line. There's other spiritual lives on the line. You sitting on the sideline, not jumping in with this kind of praying. I'm telling you, there's lives on the line. Your and my procrastination, our coldness to the truth, our coldness to letting him fill us and control us, our hunger to do it my way. There's lives at stake. There's lives on the line. I mean, I've been saved forever. And I go around other Christians that, that are my age, and I'm just blown away at their lack of concern for lost people. Yeah. I'm blown away at, they just want to get together with their little Christian family and, and have a good time, but they don't care about the, the 80% of this city that don't attend church. They just don't care. But guess what? That's what we're here for. That's what you're here for. Is to literally show them, be that mirror, be, be that witness, be that vessel, be that slave that reports for duty. Just to share what God's done for you. Even, even in the breath that you take every morning. <gasps> that first breath, that first cup of coffee. What a great day we have today. And just the joy of being alive in this world. It won't compare to the next, but it's exciting being here. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads in a moment. Bow our heads in a word of prayer, but just, just before we pray. We're getting ready to jump into our new series next week. Heads bowed, eyes closed. We're getting ready to jump into our new series next week. At the movies. This is an opportunity. We're, we're sending flyers. 5,000 of them. I know it's not a lot. We're just kind of, it's a soft opening, soft advertisement to this city around here. If we want to impact some people's lives for the Lord, we need to begin praying like this first church did. So, if you're here this morning, the Holy Spirit just spoke to you about your need to getting serious about praying. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If God touched you about the seriousness of surrendering, to becoming that slave, to recognize him as you approach his throne, to just literally understand he's the creator and the sovereign Lord. L listen, if God touched you and you want, you want to take this thing serious, I'm going to ask you this morning to just leave your seat and join me down here as we pray for this next month of these flyers going out. That people's lives would be touched, not just when they get the flyer, but also when they get to church. 
So for the next couple of moments, I'm going to be down at the altar. I'm going to ask you that are serious, that you want to pray for this area, these people that receive these flyers, that the Holy Spirit would touch them. And that many would come to know Him as Savior through this next month of At The Movies. Let's all stand, heads bowed, eyes closed. And for the next couple of minutes, if you're serious, you want to rock this neighborhood for the Lord, come down here and meet me as we go to the Lord for prayer.